Hey Rodney, did you know Slack's been a part of the Ready for as long as I have? You mean like back in the Bryant Park days? You know it. Even when there were only a couple of us working out of a cafe in Midtown, Slack is where we came together to tackle the future of work. Over eight years later, we're fully decentralized across eight time zones, and we still do it all with Slack. That's right, because it's the AI-powered platform for growing your business, keeping your teams connected, and making work legitimately simpler. Now you can get up to speed on a new project with one-click summaries or find exactly what you need, when you need it, with an AI-supercharged search function. It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future. Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Welcome to the brave new work on the Other Side crossover miniseries. In these short episodes, we talk with Chase Chapman, builder of DAOs and host of the On the Other Side podcast about organizational design for Web3. On with the show. So today, I want to talk about leadership because I don't really know what it should look like in self-managing orgs. I sort of have like a progression of how I think about leadership. So I want to give that context, but it's basically just, okay, in a hierarchical organization, you have a leader who makes a lot of decisions, tells people that they manage like what to do generally, which does feel antiquated. But then I feel like my mind in DAOs goes to, we need servant leadership and we need X, Y, and Z. I'm not actually sure if that's effective or if there are challenges with servant leadership or better ways to frame it. But I guess we'll start from there. I think in DAOs generally, we have leaders that pop up that are more community leaders. And then we have leaders that are specifically focused on certain aspects of a DAO. But I think we're still forming ideas around what leadership really means and who can be a leader and what leaders should be doing. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. I think for me, this is definitely a big topic of discussion and debate at the Ready. It always has been. I start to pull the term leadership apart into a few different classes of activity. So one would be source activity, which is like the spark of something new, having an idea or starting a company or a DAO or a sub DAO. And you just have that initial vision or story that you're telling that can draw people in. And it's almost like you're creating the space is how I talk about it in in the book. Like you create some space and then you kind of light a candle and see who wants to come hang out. And so that source energy, I think, is a real thing. And it's work that people do at the beginning and throughout the life cycle of a company or a DAO or an institution, but it isn't, it doesn't last forever in the same way. It doesn't take on the same shape and it certainly doesn't hold all the expectations that I think we, we mean when we throw around the term leader or leadership. And then the second bucket is the management stuff, which is like telling people what to do and setting direction and being the, the parent of the team. And on balance, we don't really go in for a lot of that stuff at the ready. I think we talk more about atomizing that work and figuring out if there's career path work to be done or feedback work to be done or strategy work to be done. There are other ways to do that than just calling somebody the leader. And then I guess the third is a little bit more about stewardship and some of the stuff that we've talked about on our pod before around what does it mean to just be the person who is holding something and sweating something and 
doing more work thinking about where it needs to go and how to make sure that the OS and the team and the you know system is there for it to be successful. And so that is, I guess, a form of leadership. So you sort of pull all those things apart and you get a lot of different expressions of it, which is why some of my favorite thinkers in the space talk about leaderships rather than leadership. So I think that to me, that's like the map of the territory. But I'm curious what you'd add to that, Rodney, and maybe where else we want to like, where do we want to dig in? Yeah. So I am excited to talk about um, servant leadership. I love just I love that this show is just turning into me shitting on concepts that <laughs> exist in the world. Like books from it's the like 80s. It's a great role for me yeah. to play. Yeah. I think we've talked before in this mini series about operating systems and what the OS is and and can be of a circle, a pod, a squad, et cetera, or an entire organization. And I I really see like in self-management a form of leadership is tending to that OS, understanding what we're designing for, whether it's working, whether the members of that circle are satisfied, et cetera. And then not, you know, and this is where I'll give servant leadership some shit, not being in a position where the community members or the circle members just elevate their issues or tensions and then a leader solves it, but instead is really the leader is responsible for creating an environment where we have collective responsibility and ownership for our OS. And so what that looks like a lot of times in practice is if I'm stewarding a specific circle, I'm the person who is making sure that the feedback does emerge and that the experiments are run and that the operating rhythm is facilitated. I'm not in charge of the contents of all of that. And my role isn't just to like survey the troops and then come up with the solutions. I find that to be pretty like paternalistic, actually. So I consider leadership and self-management to be primarily about um upholding and tending to and evolving the OS. And that should be done in a way that is elected, in a way that the rest of the circle members consent to, in a way that is structured so that it's not just the consolidation of a lot of kinds of power, but the specification of certain types of power. It's interesting because I feel like you're both getting at this idea that there are different kinds of power, whether it be what you just said, Rodney, or Aaron with this concept of leaderships, Tactically, what does that look like? And why, I guess, is that the optimal way to organize or to distribute power as opposed to giving a single person a bunch of power? I want to pull on that. I think at at a base level, you just think that people are fully dimensionalized human beings in the space and they have different levels of skill and comfort and context and expertise when it comes to lots of different things. So the idea that any one person would be the leader or the primary decision maker or the person that knows the most about what to do about anything, about everything, is problematic. And so there certainly are, just in the sense of like, who has decision rights, who has power in the sense of being able to decide what we do, just there you have leaderships. Because there are many things that go on inside our business that Rodney or I are not the best suited to address. And then there are other things where we're absolutely perfect for it. So I think seeing that we have all these dimensions to ourselves and our identities, it's a big part of that. And then on top of that, there are also different kinds of power. So you can have positional power in a system, you can have reputational power, you can have privilege-based power or identity power that just happens to be true in the culture. You can have power from being more 
tenured or more experienced or seasoned in the system. There's just so many different ways that that also expresses itself that I think it's impossible to map or to control, but it's pretty helpful and pretty easy to just talk about that stuff all the time and say like, in this situation, in this phenomenon, in this decision, what are the different kinds of power that are relevant? Or even to Rodney's point, as you're designing that operating system, as a founder or leader or source person, you're looking at how am I privileging or not privileging different kinds of power? And what kind of a system do I really want to create here? Because it's never going to be a completely distributed direct democracy or nothing will ever get done. But it's also it also doesn't have to be a situation where it's like, well, these are the six leaders and they decide everything. So I think you have to just pull it apart so that you can have a more nuanced meal. Yeah. And Chase, I want to ask you a couple of questions about what you're seeing play out. But I think we have a lot of fairly like evolved and pretty wonky takes on this. And also at a super simple level, you're really inhibiting the adaptivity of any organization that's reliant on one or a small handful of people. Like that's just shit org design. Like anytime I'm in an organization where it's like it would be utter mayhem slash existential problem if X person left, I'm like, you have not done a good job of anything. (laughs) Because that's, look, that's just, that's so fragile. It's so fragile if an organization or a team relies on one power holder to steer no vision, community, all the things. So it's just like all, all of the other more evolved notions around participation and evolution and whatever aside, I'm just like, you're really hemming yourself in if you continue to heap all of the various forms of power that Aaron just articulated onto one or a couple of individuals. I'm curious, Chase, like how do you see this playing out in DAOs and what are some of the things that you think DAOs are really getting right, and where are you like, uh-oh, we probably need to to make some shifts here. It's so interesting because, and I do need to find another adjective, but I guess that's just the vibe <laughs> always. Just like oh, that's your calling card. Never so put it down. Interesting. Um, so I feel like what I've seen in a lot of DAOs that definitely doesn't apply to all of them, and it depends on are they evolving from a company to a DAO versus being a DAO from the start. For DAOs that have started from the start, what I'm seeing is people were like, yes, let's decentralize things. This is amazing. No one's really leading something, but oh shit, we need to hold people accountable. And I think people experimented for a while with the mechanisms for holding people accountable in a way that feels decentralized and balanced. And then, of course, there was tension in a lot of these systems where it's like, oh shit, but wait this isn't working, right? This is chaos. Because of course, there are so many things that I think a lot of DAOs are still catching up on, like working agreements and OSs and like all of the things that we've talked about. And so what I'm seeing happen in real time is a lot of orgs going, oh shit, this doesn't work. And then sort of going back to hierarchical systems Mm. because it's what they know. Yeah. And now a lot of those orgs are like, oh shit, this doesn't work. And are we really a DAO if we do this? But oh my God, we're so scared of the pure chaos that it was when we were quote unquote decentralized. When of course, like the reality is that a lot of the systems that needed to be there didn't exist then. And there are better models to use to build those systems. But I feel like people almost have this now fear of going back to decentralized systems. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one. The other side, and I think this is a similar pattern 
is companies that are transitioning to DAOs, which is for most companies in Web3, I won't say most, for a lot of organizations, their goal is ultimately to become a DAO and decentralize. And on that end of the spectrum, they've been quite hierarchical, most of you know the existence of the org. And now it's like trying to let go of power in a way that feels, I think, very existential to people because it's like your baby and you're letting that go to a community. Oftentimes communities are price maximizing with tokens. I think there's this power struggle that is actually more about trust than anything else. So those are kind of the two things that I'm seeing in the ecosystem right now. Yeah. I want to talk about the second one and then Aaron, maybe you can talk about the pendulum swinging. It's a funny thing because something that I've noticed recently This might feel like a little bit of an aside, but something I've noticed recently in self-managing systems, including our own, is that there's often like a lot of psychic energy around a particular role and what it would be giving up or what the individual would be giving up if they stepped out of it or multi-filled it or made it rotational or whatever. And... I, I think there are a lot of reasons for that, but I've just found myself in a lot of conversations lately where I'm really teasing apart, like, what are you actually losing? Like, what freedom or what control or what influence are you truly giving up? And often the perception is that it's much, much more than the reality because it's like in traditional hierarchy, we fool ourselves into thinking that we can control people's behavior or really understand their work or be involved in directing the macro and the micro. And like all of that is just such bullshit. Like we have so little insight into what's happening if we're leading a giant organization. And so it's like in some ways going to a more self-managed approach to leadership is just making explicit what is true anyway. But people have a hard time emotionally with that, with crossing that bridge. Yeah, I think that is, it is about letting go of one form of power and trading it for another. And most of our clients, I would say generally think what they're doing is giving up power. And so that feels really scary and really terrible or giving up control, which is even harder. And and what we often do is go back to our traffic light versus roundabout argument and just say, who has more control, the designer of the roundabout or the person that changes the light from red to green? And the the fact of the matter is that if what you care about is getting people to do what you say when you say it, then the light switcher has more control. But if you care about the outcome, which is like we want fewer accidents and more cars through this intersection or achieving the purpose of our DAO, then actually the person that designed the roundabout has more power because they're getting more of what they want out of the system. And I always make the joke that they also get to sleep in. And so for a lot of these transitions, it's about, I mean, Rodney has this thing she's been saying forever, which is like, there's a third way. On the one side, there's chaos. On the other side, there's bureaucracy or hierarchy or whatever boogeyman you want to put there. But but the middle ground is where you want to be, right? It's this third place where you're not going back to the chaos of no no constraint, but you're also not just going to adopt those old leadership patterns. And instead, you're using other tools. And I think that's really what the like, expansion of leadership is all about is saying we're not just going to use individuals telling people what to do and holding people accountable as our only tool. We're going to use agreements. We're going to use different constructs and noticings and patterns and processes and ways of being with each other that will give us a lot of those same benefits and some of that same responsibility and feedback loops and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, the individual leader can do less 
And that's a good thing. I feel like the other part of the reason this is so scary to people is they don't realize that they have tools to build the roundabout Mm. that actually work. I think people theoretically listen to that and go, yeah, sure. And if they haven't listened to Brave New Work or any other episode in this, easily could be like, sure, yeah, that's great, but like, how feasible is that really? Mm -hmm. And so what's fascinating to me is that I think a lot of it too is just about understanding the new mental models and the other ways to think about this where we actually do have organizations that we can point to that have figured this out. And we're not just making it up as we go with this big question of will this ever work? Because we know that it can work in different organizations. We know those tools exist, but I think a lot of that lack of willingness to give it up is also recognizing that like these things do exist. And I'm sure that there's something deeper too around oftentimes our work is a reflection of ourselves. And so I think a lot of it too is like probably having to deal with the decoupling of the validation you get from other people and and your organization more broadly. Yeah, I, I, I mean, certainly the fused identity is deeply problematic. And also something that I think gets lost in the conversation when we talk about leaders letting go of certain kinds of power in order to have a more roundabout OS is what they get, which is besides some of the some of the impact that Aaron's talking about, they are also very likely going to be liberated if their organization makes this kind of transformation. Like you know what i what i've learned from working with companies large and small is there is truly no one who is not constrained and oppressed by someone else in any ecosystem at any level because when you get to be you know the c suite of a fortune 100 company then you have a board and you have shareholders like no one is free in a hierarchy. And so a lot of times what you see is these middle management type humans that are trying to hoard this power. And I'm like, if you would let go for your people, then you would also be freed to exercise your own agency and have your own ideas and have more control over your own destiny. And I think that's the side of the story that gets missed. I love that take. Like the hierarchy, climbing it still is not going to get you the freedom that you want. You have to change a system for that to be the case at every level, really. That feels like a pretty good mic drop on the show. (laughs) I love that. That's another episode of Brave New Work on the other side in the bag. There's more where that came from, so watch for new episode drops coming soon. And this special crossover edition is produced by The Ready in partnership with Chase Chapman and On the Other Side. You can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at theready.com or find all three of us on Twitter. As for you, thanks for listening. Now go dow something. <laughs>